Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Pass the Inflation Reduction Act. Like inflation actually even worse. Historic investment to climate change. Raise taxes and increase spending. They say you're raising taxes on everybody. Bull. Declaring a public health emergency on monkeypox. Cases doubling roughly every week. July employment report. 528,000. Double the expectations. Brittany Griner. Prisoner swap. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Friday. We'll, we'll talk politics, but we're going to do some fun stuff, too. Uh, as you know, next week, Greenville is hosting the Girls Little League Softball World Series. We're going to be talking in a little bit to Brian Booth, who's one of the coaches of the Pitt County team, because uh, indeed... Uh, the Pitt County girls softball will be represented. They won the state title, and uh, they, they've got a team. They'll be in it. Right now, though, we've got Scooter Rogers. Some call him Scott Rogers, but uh, if you're a Little League aficionado, you call him uh, Scooter. Um, he's also the voice of the ECU Pirates we were talking about before. We, welcome in. Uh, good to have you with us, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Um, great job this year. Thank on the you. ECU baseball, uh, you just hit it out of the park. Uh, that, that had to be a lot of fun, and that, it had to be a little nerve wracking when you first started. Absolutely, you know, and you know it was a blast this season. You know, growing up a fan of East Carolina and living in Greenville my whole life. When I got that job, it was almost like a dream. You pinching yourself? Oh, you had oh, to be. Absolutely, I was. had to be. I mean, you're a baseball guy, and you know, played played ball yourself growing up, and uh, you know that's. I mean, for for a lot of folks, that's like make it into the majors. I mean, oh yeah, and, and for me being you know just turning twenty two years old and still being a student at East Carolina, to be to say you're the voice of a perennial top twenty five program year in and year out is pretty special. Yeah, Are you plan is your plan to be there next year again? It is. Yeah. Yep. Well, so I, I would we'll I would think the the folks uh, that uh, hired you have got to be well pleased. Uh, Great job. Yep. Great job. So let's talk a uh, little league uh, girls softball coming to Greenville. Um, you're actually going to be the media coordinator, you're telling me. Yes. So uh, you will be very involved in it. You're going to do some PA for the uh, for the games over at Elm Street Park. How many teams we got coming in? We have uh, 12 teams overall. We'll have eight from the United States and four international teams. Okay. And uh, the kids are going to be staying at the dorms. In fact, I think they're, they've already uh, put them over the dorms. Didn't they They entered into the dorms today? Most, uh, most of the teams have arrived so far. I think we got about three or four that should be on the way here right now. But most of the teams have already arrived in Greenville. So how will this tournament work? Is it uh, a, a pool play, elimination? This is the uh, first year of a modified double elimination format. It's been a pool play tournament for the past few years. And uh, this year with the expanded field, it moves into that modified double elimination format, which basically means it's normal double elimination until you get to the championship game and it's winner take all. So if if you have one team that's got one loss and one team that does not have a loss, it doesn't matter. Does not matter. Yes, sir. You, you start over again. Correct. And it's just a one game. Correct. Um, championship game. Was it a uh, surprise that the the Greenville team made it in? This is what their second year as a little league because they were Sarah Law was. In fact, my daughters played Sarah Law years ago, and it was Babe Ruth mm-hmm. and. 
I, I, I assume they made the switch, I mean, because we are hosting the Little League World Series. Right, and, you know, they uh, that's pretty much why they did, you know, be able to have with the North Carolina state champion getting an automatic bid every single year to this, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer to say, hey, all you got to do is win the state of North Carolina and you're in. And so I think when they kind of saw that, they said, hey, we need to switch. And I think it's been a great move for them. And right now it's paying off for them to be able to play in this oh, yeah. this year. And, uh, you know, it's going to be awesome having them in it. And, you know, just to have not only them in it, but for them to play against, you know, international teams, I think is sure. really a cool part. And, you know, already being around some of the international teams doing some pre-tournament stuff has been awesome to be around that culture. Has ESPN arrived yet? Are they? Uh... ESPN will get here Sunday morning okay. when they'll start setting up on Monday. Now, I, I guess it might have been partly because we were still coming out of COVID, but last year I was under the impression that a lot of the ESPN play-by-play folks were not on location they were somewhere else just watching the monitors and doing is there going to be somebody in town for these do you know yes they were actually in town last year uh, i think we were one of the very few sites that actually had announcers on site but okay. they will be on site again this year which is you know being a play-by-play guy for radio it's it's tough doing games remote so i'm glad they will be yeah, on site i would i would think so being in charge of the media uh i, I I'm. I'm. My thought. And again, you're working with some folks from the little league. Mm-hmm. But but once once the the uh, the series the tournament starts, you're going to be the guy that's sort of coordinating the media. Are, are you planning for a big crowd? I mean, I would think you're going to have media from literally all over the world. Yeah, we uh, we got a good amount of media that is credentialed already right now, so it's going to have good, very good coverage. Not only just from the ESPN purpose, but uh, I know the team from Maryland's got a good amount of media coming down, and so just to have that says a lot about how big this tournament is. And you know, there's a ton of local media that's going to be covering it too. And you know, obviously, the more coverage, the better. And so that's cool to give these girls that experience. I would think, and if if uh, any of our listeners went to the games last year, it was a lot of fun. I would encourage you to come. Now, a lot of people think uh, that means they got to walk like six blocks to get to the stadium. There's designated parking, and boy, they were great last year. They had numerous uh, golf carts. You know, these extended golf carts riding you back and forth to your car. Uh, the atmosphere was great. I would think, though, this year, you know, we're out of COVID. We've got the international teams coming in, and Greenville has their own team in it. I mean, we've got an Eastern Carolina team in it. I would think you're going to really have a full house when uh, the Pitt County girls are playing against some of these other teams. Yeah, and that's pretty much exactly what we expect. You know, not only just for their games as well, but for every game, we're expecting really good crowds and, you know, not having any crowd restrictions this year is going to be nice to have you know that way we can really promote this and get people to come out but you know like you said parking the main parking lot that we have is the college hill lot which is right at the bottom of college hill just off of 10th street and it's a short five minute walk from there down the greenway through the woods and you're you're right there at elm street when you get out and like you said golf carts too will help some people get there as well but uh you know the city of greenville and has been great in terms of planning for this all year and not just this year but last year too and so taking off you know some of the things that we saw last year hey what can we improve and being able to do that has helped us really put forward a good plan for this year's tournament any 
clue as to how many folks will show up for uh, this event? Uh, would you be in having two kids or two grandsons in Little League this year? You know how big crowds yeah. can get. Oh, yeah. But I yeah. would say, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more than what we would have for a city championship crowd, which for those who don't know, our city championship oh, crowds are, you know, probably. Standing room only. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I would think a little bit more than that and maybe even more for some of those Pitt County games. Well, it'll be interesting to see what this does for the economy. I would think for, I mean, not just Greenville, but I think all these surrounding towns, Washington, Kinston, uh, New Bern, uh, you know, all, all the different areas, Wilson, I, I am sure their hotels are going to be filled to capacity, I oh, would think. Yeah, and the absolutely. restaurants as well. Yeah, yeah. and I'm talking with uh, Andrew Schmidt with the Convention and Visitors Bureau. He's already said that, that hotel rooms have been booked a lot, pretty much all over town for this. And, yeah, that's great, like you said, for the local economy. The local restaurants are going to be loving this at night times with the players' oh, families yeah. in town. And uh, I know last year, I believe it brought in right at a million dollars in terms of economic uh, revenue for the town. And, you know, not having any COVID restrictions this year in a full tournament field, that's even going to get bigger, I'm sure. And it was a lot of fun last year. We went to a couple of the games and just meeting folks. We met some folks from, uh, you know, different parts of the, the, the country. And it was just a lot of fun. And you get to play host and you get to you know show them some uh, good southern hospitality it was a lot of fun i hope folks come out uh let's talk real quick about williamsport because the uh the the big thing coming up on your calendar after the girls softball that's a big thing but then the guys play up in williamsport and because of your connection with last year's girls softball little league you've made some connections and you're going to have an opportunity to do some uh, pa announcement which you've done numerous times for Little League here, and of course you're going to do it for the the girls softball, but get to go up in Williamsport and do it. Yeah, it's uh, you know that's another thing, just like the ECU job, to pinch me to make sure I'm still alive and really <laughs> doing this. But uh, yeah, I'll have uh, four games on PA up in Williamsport. I got two and two American games and two international games while I'm up there. I'll be up there for a full week, so uh, that's going to be really cool to be able to do that. Now, I guess they play this week, is or is it this week or next week they'll play down in Warner Robins? They are uh, playing right now. Oh, they are? Warner Robins, yep. They started yesterday. It'll be interesting. Do you know uh, how the Durham team did? They uh, hit a walk-off home run to win an extra innings today to avoid wow. elimination. Wow. Yep. So, uh, but, yeah, they're in day two down there, and that tournament's driving along just as pretty much all the other regional sites, I believe, are getting started tomorrow. I'm telling you, keep your eye on the on the Durham team. Uh, my older grandson played them in the uh, um, the state regionals uh, or the state uh, playoffs, and, uh, boy, they're good. And they are big. I mean, they had some 12-year-olds on the team that I think were as big as I am. I mean, they're, they they got a, a good ball club. I, I would not be surprised to see them win that regional. Yeah, and Bull City's a, you know, a tradition-rich league in this state. And like you said, it wouldn't surprise me if they do come out champions of the Southeast this yeah. year. Well, congratulations again on a great year at ECU doing the play-by-play. And uh, thank you for your involvement in uh, the Girls Little League. And uh, congratulations on the Williamsport deal. That's, that's a lot of fun. And we... We, we won't hear you doing the play-by-play on the TV, but we'll hear you in the background as we were watching the uh, Little League World Series, probably uh, both for the girls, and uh, mm-hmm. they'll be on ESPN Plus, and I guess 
as we get uh, towards the final games, it'll be on ESPN or yep, ESPN2. Every, uh, every game's on an ESPN platform, and uh, everything's on ESPN+. Plus, and I believe it's the final eight games that will be on linear networks. So that's okay. either ESPN, ESPN2, or ESPNU, I believe. Yeah, yeah, great. Good deal. Hey, thanks for stopping in. Yes, we sir. We appreciate Thank it. You. Yes, sir. Hey, listen, uh, stay with us because we've got more coming up. We've got more baseball coming up. We'll get to some politics as well. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again, News and Views for a Friday. Quick look at your weather forecast. A few clouds tonight, possibly a thunderstorm, a low of 73. Sunshine and clouds mixed tomorrow with a high of 94. Again, tomorrow night, a few clouds with a low of 73. Partly cloudy skies on Sunday with a high of 92, and uh, some clouds might give away to uh, clearing conditions Sunday night with a low of 73. So, again, the weather forecast pretty much uh, carbon copy. Now through uh, next Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, we've got a chance of uh, some more severe thunderstorms. So uh, it was 161 years ago, 1861, Abraham Lincoln signed the first federal income tax into law a 3% tax that was applied to all incomes over $800. And, uh, of course, that was because of the war between the states, the Civil War, and it was rescinded after the Civil War. But, uh, man, 3% sounds pretty good, right? (laughs) If we could only have that now. Um, Wait for uh, more taxes, though, because Christian Cinema has come out and said, Kirsten Cinema, I should say, has come out and said that um, she will sign on to the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. What a joke that is. Kristen Cinema has raked in significant amounts of campaign cash from the private equity sector, which notched a victory after she lobbied to remove a billionaire tax loophole from the Inflation Reduction Tax as a part of her agreement to back the legislation. The Arizona Democrat announced yesterday she would move forward in supporting the Inflation Reduction Act, the reconciliation package Senate Democrats unveiled last week. I mean, this is unbelievable. They unveil it last week and they're going to vote on it. Uh, Nobody's even read it. I guarantee you nobody's read it. Um, So they're going to – she said she'd agree with it if they would uh, get rid of this loophole – and I thought these libs were all about equity, helping the poor. Tax the rich. Pay your fair share. Guess not. Um, we've agreed to remove the carried interest tax provision, protect advanced manufacturing, and boost our clean energy in the Senate's budget reconciliation legislation, Cinema said late Thursday, subject to the parliamentarian review. I'll move forward. Cinema, uh, this is a win for the private equity sector. Uh, which pours large amounts of cash into uh, Democrats. Uh, in fact, Kirsten Cinema, I think, has got the fourth highest contributions in her war chest or campaign war chest from the private equity sector. In other words, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. The spending package includes tax increases on billion-dollar corporations. Well, I mean... I, I, Aren't most of these corporations uh, in the billion-dollar range anyway? So, in other words, pretty much, you can pretty much say that um, 
corporate income tax for these large corporations uh, is going to go up, which means the cost of everything is going to go up. It's just going to add to inflation. I mean, again, don't believe when somebody like, uh, you know, uh, Kirsten Sinema or Joe Manchin or Chucky Schumer tells you, oh, it's just, you know, nobody's going to have to pay anything. It'll just be the corporation's. Well, people own stock. People own the corporations, and the corporations will recoup whatever they get charged by charging more for the goods and services. And in other words, the the, the people that are barely making it now, it's going to be even harder for them to make it. Manchin claims that recon, uh, reconciling with Democrats on this package will help the country fight inflation. Uh, yet the Ben Wharton budget model now says, mm, no, not so fast. If signed into law, the Inflation Reduction Act could result in the exact opposite of what its name suggests, as it is estimated to slightly increase inflation over the next two years, according to the Penn Wharton study. Can't make it up. Uh, Very, very disappointing. Now, Republicans have said they're going to try to bog this thing down. Of course, the question is, are they going to have – how long is it going to be before – Every all the Democrats, all the old goat Democrats are COVID free. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Joe is uh, not COVID free still. Um, Biden's uh, personal doctor has not met with reporters. He sent a letter that the press secretary read, saying the president continues to feel very well. His cough is almost completely resolved. His temperature, pulse, blood pressure, respiratory rate, oxygen, saturation, blah, 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 all remains clear. However, he did test positive again for the seventh day. And, boy, there is so much confusion with this. If if he is doing so well, it's been over five days. I thought five days you could go out in the public again, even if you test positive is what they said. Uh, I guess not so with Joe. Uh, Joe had a slurring speech from uh, the residence quarters um, out on the balcony. And uh, he was in the shade, but he's wearing his sunglasses, which is, I found a little curious. I mean, was it that sunny there on the uh, portico of the White House, which is, you know, undercover? Uh, or was he keeping something from uh, the cameras? I mean, I don't know. He is a sick puppy. <laughs> Good timing there, Clark. Um, oh, by the way, the um, well, you know what? We, uh, let, let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this one. Let's let's go ahead and take a break because we're scheduled to have uh, if if he can come out of the isolation of the dorm room where uh, the teams are sequestered over on the ECU campus. We're scheduled to have Brian Booth, who's one of the coaches for the Pitt County girls softball team, on with us via the telephone. Because they're sequestered over in the uh, dorms. So stay with us. We'll see if we can get Brian on the phone when we come back. And uh, more news and views coming right up. Your 5 o'clock drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 
All right, welcome back in. As we were talking with Scooter Rogers a few moments ago, next week Greenville will be hosting the Little League Softball World Series for the second time at Stalling Stadium at Elm Street Park. The North Carolina State champion is our own Pitt County Girls Softball. Uh, the 9- to 12-year-olds will compete as a uh, the winners of the host region. As Scooter said, North Carolina um, the state gets as as the host state gets to uh, have a team in the uh, competition. There will be teams from uh, Missouri, Maryland, Connecticut, Washington, Virginia, Texas, California, Philippines, Canada, Italy, and Puerto Rico, and uh, of course Pitt County. The team from Winterville in the uh, Sarah Law Girls Pitt County Softball League. Uh, one of the coaches of the uh, championship team is uh, Brian Booth. He's on the phone with us right now. Brian, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. So, Brian, we originally talked about you coming into the studio this afternoon, but uh, basically you, along with all these other teams, have been uh, in uh, isolation over in the dorms of ECU. What's going on over there? We had a practice this morning at 9 a.m. We went and ate at tiebreakers where they fed the team, and we thanked them. And then we went home, changed showers, got on a bus at Sarah Law at 2.45, and we just got checked into the dorms and – settled in and got everybody moved in are all the teams in the same dorm or are they spread out all over the campus all the teams in the same dorm okay well that'll be uh fun to have a little uh, does everybody on a different floor <laughs> it's gonna be interesting if you have a little competition there that's right so let's let's talk about the uh the uh uh, team that's representing north carolina the pitt county girls softball now it wasn't just because we're the, the the host city that Greenville made it. You guys had to earn your way there. Tell us about that. Yes, sir. We had to uh, – this year they allowed the international teams, and we were – went to Rowan, Salisbury, played them. The North Carolina State champion got a free bid, straight bid to the World Series, and we beat Rowan with the North Carolina State champions. Therefore, we didn't have to play in the Southeast Regional in Georgia. Got a straight bid here to the World Series. So, wh- which which team won the uh, down in Georgia? Was that the uh, Virginia team, the Southeast the Virginia, Region? The Virginia team, I think they beat Rowan four to three. It okay, was a good game. Okay, very good. So, tell us about the team. Uh, you know, when when my girls played years ago, you know, it was pretty obvious back then that uh, strong pitching meant uh, you know you'd have a strong team. What what are the, what are the bigger the biggest uh, assets you've got on your team? And it, I would assume you're pretty com- uh, competitive. Yeah, I think we are. We are. Gentry Coward, the manager, Emory Smith, the other coach, and myself. We coached a lot of these girls since they were probably six years old. Um, we were careful who we chose, how we picked the team. The puzzle pieces fit together, and when they fit together, good things happen. And this team is capable of. Uh, Making some noise here at the World Series. Well, obviously, uh, you're going to make some noise, and there's going to be when when you know the local team plays. There's going to be a lot of fans making some noise as well. Do you have you gotten a schedule yet of who you're going to play and when you're going to play? We will play the West, which was Southern California that won the West Division. We will play them Tuesday at 4 p.m. Okay. And the winner of that, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, do you have any insight on that team? That team is its going to be a challenge. It's going to be a good game. We watched them play, and uh, it, it's going to be a good game. 
what happens uh, now there's going to be a two game elimination so if you win you stay in the winner's bracket and I assume you would get some buys or is is that not the case or if you lose you're going to lose the bracket the winner of the game on Tuesday at 4 will play again Wednesday at 7 and then they will have Thursday off if you lose Tuesday we'll have Wednesday off and be in the bottom bracket coming back on Thursday okay okay Bye. Are are the are the girls pretty pumped? Oh, they're they're real excited. They got enough chocolate and sweets and stuff up there in the dorm. <laughs> <laughs> they they feel like they're being treated as royalty, do they? Oh yeah, yes sir. So so what are the what are the Pitt County colors? What what are the host team colors? Mainly black with blue. Okay, with, with all line of blue. Okay, all right. Well, listen. Great success to y'all. Uh, congratulations on getting this far, and uh, look forward to uh, coming out Tuesday at 4. Now, the opening ceremonies, when when do they take place? Is that, that on Monday? They'll take place on Monday at 6.30 at the Town Common. Oh, is it the Town Common, not at Elm Street? Yes, sir, and everybody's welcome. All right. Put that on your calendars. You said 6.30? Uh, yes, sir, 6.30. 6.30 at the Greenville Town Common, and then... Uh, the host team will play 4 o'clock on Tuesday. Brian, much success to you. Tell tell uh, all the, the girls and the coaches uh, we wish them well. I will. I appreciate it. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you sir. Appreciate it. Brian Booth, who is one of the coaches of the uh, Pitt County Girls Softball All-Star team, taking on California 4 o'clock on uh, Tuesday. So, Clark, we've got to figure out how we're going to get down there on Tuesday. We're going to do a live program from Elm Street Park. <laughs> i don't know we'll see we'll see so as i started to say before we went to brian and we went to the break uh joe is still got covid uh you know he's this is our president who was bragging about how healthier he was than uh, donald trump and uh he's he's uh, got covid again he had it as you know, and then uh, they gave him the all clear, and two days later he had it again, and it's been uh, coming up uh, testing positive for COVID like seven days in a row. But what's interesting now is the Biden administration is now making a big deal about monkeypox. And in the United States, there are 6,000 confirmed cases, 6,600 confirmed cases across 48 states. And now the Biden administration has declared or is going to declare a public health emergency. Yeah. Sounds sort of reminiscent of uh, two years ago, right around election time, doesn't it? Quote, in light of all these developments and the evolving circumstances on the ground, I want to make an announcement today that I will be declaring a public health emergency, Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra told reporters during a Thursday briefing, quote, we're prepared to take our response to the next level in addressing this virus, and we urge every American to take monkeypox seriously. Now, by the way, you know, a lot of people say, well, what's monkeypox? Where did that come from? How did that develop? Monkeypox has been around for decades, but... It has been in remission. We haven't had cases of monkeypox. I wonder what's going on that suddenly monkeypox is uh, back on the scene. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. By the way, so he's saying we're going to take it real seriously. 
He goes on to say the public health emergency will allow us to explore additional strategies to get vaccines and treatments more quickly out to the impacted communities. Robert uh, Fenton said, and it will allow us to get more data from the uh, jurisdictions so we can effectively track and attack this outbreak. Once declared a public health emergency remains in effect for either the duration of the emergency. Oh boy, doesn't this sound uh, not, uh, just scary and it sounds very reminiscent of uh, two years ago uh, or 90 days. But the HH secretary can st- extend it at will. You can extend it right through the next election. <laughs> I mean, 90 days. So uh, let's see, what would be, it's uh, August, September, October, November. Well, that's about 90 days, right? Extended at, at will. Uh, does that mean we're going to have to hand out ballots, hand over fist, look the other way as all kinds of irregularities come up at the ballot box? But hey, oh, we got, a, we got another emergency. Don't question anything. So, I, again, I asked the question, uh, monkeypox has been around for decades. I, th- I think monkeypox, now I, I, I haven't done a lot of study on this, but I think it, it first popped up back in the 1950s. There's another interesting story on the Gateway Pundit. Israeli COVID vaccine director who was, by the way, injured over the Pfizer vaccine Um he is now suggesting, and, and by the way, this guy has got credentials. His name is a physician and scientist, Professor Shamel Shapara. He's a doctor, and uh, he's the director of the Israeli Institute for Biological Research. Uh, been done that for, uh, for eight years. Um, he is, uh, what else? He's, he's got all kinds of uh, accolades. He has come out and said, um, uh, and, and he was very suspicious because a, a good friend of his son got the vaccine, and suddenly this healthy young man who was in his early 30s starting had heart failure shortly after he had the uh, vaccine. Um, this same director from I- Israel has begun to question, okay, why is all of a sudden are we having monkeypox? And it's his assertion that uh, and and not just with monkeypox. I mean, he's talking about all kinds of uh, heart arrhythmia, twenty percent increase in strokes, herpes, tendonitis, um, women having excessive bleeding, monkeypox, um, long-term side effects. And he says, "No worries, be happy, everything's fine." He basically is saying all these situations that are popping up is related to the vaccines and the immunity problems that people are having. All kinds of stories. You hear all the time stories about people who have had cancer and were in remission for years and years and years, got the vaccination, and suddenly the the cancer reappears. Uh, By the way, this guy put this on Twitter and social media, and, and guess what? He was immediately bumped off, kicked off. I mean, this guy has got all kinds of accolades, uh, director of this, director of that, doctor, scientist, professor. Um, And he is saying monkeypox is a result of the vaccine. And again, it's it's not that you take the vaccine and that gives you monkeypox, but people have immunity. 
And people had immunity against monkeypox, like a lot of other diseases that are suddenly popping back up. I mean, we, there are stories. Now, part of it could be from the fact that we have all kinds of illegals coming into our country. Our, our borders are wide open, and who knows what they're bringing in. But there's all kinds of stories about tuberculosis and polio reoccurring. This great vaccine ain't too great. Five six one eight two five five. Who'd you say we had? Uh, Ron. Ron from uh, is it Newburn? Hey Ron. Yeah. Hey Ron, hey, how are you, how sir? You doing, sir? Good. Very good, thank you. Yeah, I um, hit what I was going to tell you. Uh, the open borders. We don't know what what that's going to bring us. Uh, whether it's dirty bombs or a resurgence in polio or uh, all these diseases that are coming upon us, that I, I, that man needs to pay for what he's done to this country. The open borders is a big part of it, and it just infuriates me to no end. You don't hear anybody really pursuing that. It's just like the sham 2020 election when they took that great man away from us, yep. and nobody is addressing none of this stuff. But there was open borders, really. We, we are yet to see what that's going to bring us. Well, Vice President Cheney addressed it yesterday. Apparently, he's got a new ad out for his daughter, Liz, and he has come out and said, everybody knows that election was legitimate. He came out and said, there's not one Republican that actually believes that Donald Trump uh, didn't legitimately lose. And I'm thinking, hello? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of us out here that don't think that that was a legitimate election. Uh, yeah, well, you know, when the press is complicit in all this and they don't report the stuff and they just buried it and and were just victims of this whole mess that they have created, and I don't know how we're getting out of it. I, what, what is... I don't trust elections until they have voter ID. I wouldn't trust another one thanks to 2020. And if you figure during the midterms, I think to take the House and Senate, no problem, a tsunami. If any single Democrat wins anywhere in the country, they cheated, without a doubt. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't that, get in a debate with you on that. I mean, it, I mean th- now there are some. There are some House members that will be reelected because they're in districts that they can't possibly lose. I mean, Maxine Water, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, and others. They're, they're, no matter what happens, they're not going to lose those districts. But any any House race that is competitive, where either side has got a chance of winning. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. If if Republicans lose that, I would look long and hard at okay, what hanky panky took place this time. Exactly. Hey, hey, thanks for the call, Ron. Do appreciate it. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, and again, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, listen, when Democrats come up and they start talking about you know okay, we've got another we've got another emergency coming up. By the way. Um, when uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra talked about him taking emergency actions, doing what they need to do to make sure that the uh, monkeypox isn't spread any further, um, my question to him would have been, if I was a reporter at that uh, get-together, I would have said, so, uh, Secretary, uh, we assume then you're going to shut down the San Francisco Kink Festival scheduled for September the 26th. 
no, no. But but you are going to allow all kinds of uh, absentee ballots to take place, ballot collection boxes. Uh, you know, anybody that wants to vote, just come on in. Why? Because we got monkeypox. Yeah, vote several times over. It's 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 our cure for monkeypox. Can't can't make it up. Stay with us. News and views continues right after this. Not covering Brandon's heroics. This, uh, Brandon, he, what does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not, um... Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and let's news go, on 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Uh, interesting story in the Federalist. You know, Liz Cheney is uh, really trying to do her best to vilify Donald Trump, and uh, she's trying to go out with a splash. By the way, she's still talking about running for the presidency in 2024. Good luck with that, Liz. Um, Now, remember, Liz Cheney is – her constant theme has been Donald Trump failed to bring out the National Guard. And if he had brought out the National Guard, as he should have – then the January 6th situation would never have happened. Well, now because of some digging by Tristan Justin of The Federalist, it appears that Cheney herself perhaps orchestrated opposition to the use of the National Guard to quell election-related unrest, allegedly organizing a Washington Post op-ed on January the third of 2021, signed by every living defense secretary. Quote, all 10 living former defense secretaries involving the military and election disputes would cross into dangerous territory, the headline read. It went on to threaten any military official who thought any use of military might be a good idea Civilian and military officials who direct or carry out such measures would be accountable, including potentially facing criminal penalties for the grave consequences of their actions on our republic, the op-ed warned. The op-ed was allegedly organized by Cheney, whose father was Secretary of Defense under George H.W. Bush before serving as George W. Bush's vice president, Eric Edelman, a national security advisor to Dick Cheney told, told the New Yorker the Wyoming lawmaker was the one, talking of Liz, was the one who generated the piece for the Post. Now Cheney has adopted Trump's supposed inaction on the National Guard as a primary line of attack. On Fox News Sunday, Cheney again depicted Trump as an apathetic leader who dismissed pleas to deploy the National Guard while the Capitol was under siege. Quote, there are several witnesses who said they met with Donald Trump on January the uh, the 4th, said Brett Baer, and he offered some 20,000 National Guardsmen to protect the Capitol building on January the 6th, but the offer was rejected. Liz Cheney disputes that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So Liz Cheney, and that's been her constant theme since this January 6th committee has, has started, that this was malfeasance. By Donald Trump, because he didn't call up the National Guard. And again, according to 
this um, individual, uh, Eric Edelman, who was a national security advisor to Dick Cheney, he told The New Yorker that it was Liz Cheney who generated, organized and generated this op-ed piece that was in the Washington Post, which was a condemnation of the idea of using the National Guard to protect our capital. By the way, uh, we talked yesterday about the good news that Ron DeSantis announced he had suspended woke source back state attorney Andrew Warren after Warren's declaration that he would refuse to enforce any Florida laws restricting abortion or transgender surgeries for minors. Now, that was great news. Talked about that in detail yesterday. But it gets better. I mean, and you got to applaud Ron DeSantis for taking a stand, saying what he meant and doing, you know, following it up. And he did follow it up because not only did he fire him, he then signed an executive order canning the guy, canning this guy, Andrew Warren, but also sending law enforcement, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, assisted by other law enforcement agencies as necessary, sent them over to Andrew Warren's office and allowed him to take his personal items but no files and escorted him out of the building, told him to leave and don't come back. <laughs> you got to love it. And uh, so this was another source prosecutor that doesn't want to do their job. By the way, Speaking of that, another source prosecutor and a liberal judge up in New York, they are guilty of this next double crime. They ought to be responsible for it anyway. A Manhattan man accused of slashing a woman in Times Square was apparently arrested for a violent robbery just three days before this attack took place. He had been released without bail. It was late last month, 30-year-old Anthony Evans allegedly slashed an Asian woman with a box cutter in an unprovoked attack in Times Square. On Wednesday, prosecutors say the attack occurred after Evans was allowed to walk free following a violent robbery just days earlier, according to the New York Post. Uh, This is what you're going to get when you get George Soros and these liberal woke prosecutors in there. That's exactly what you're going to get. The guy commits a, a crime... They let him go, turns around, and commits another crime. Only this time, the second crime was worse than the first. You're training them. You're training them to be violent. Unbelievable. Hey, we wish great success to the uh, girls' county, uh, the Pitt County girls' softball team. We'll do it again next Monday. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>